Virgil rushes you guys up the shore and towards what appears to be the remains of one of the elevator doors. She um, turns to you and says, Okay, we're able to take out backup generators. The Kingping's down. She's talking still into the walkie-talkie. Kingping is down out, but we've still got Lazarus to deal with. He'll be here any second, but we've got a much bigger problem. And she looks directly at you two. We've got a much bigger problem than we that. We look directly at each other and then back at Virgil. Are you the problem? I, I don't think so. She sighs to herself, looks at Orlando and chucks you a bound up thing. I catch it. You catch it? Yeah. It is it's a rather good. dirty lab coat. And she's like, because you wouldn't shut up about it, I found you one. Oh. Oh, I'm torn now. Oh. Oh, thank you. But also, oh, I haven't been out this long before. Um, do I want to? Uh, do I want to? Put, mm, okay. Before it would have been yes. But now it's, I'm, I'm very much, uh, uh, me. Um, but... Melgrave is going to walk up um, to you and gently, like, try and take it from you. Not forcefully, just like... I'm going to tighten my grip and go, Wait, what are you doing? Um, Bobby. Yes? You don't need that. But... You... You don't need it. I... Come on, we have to get out of here. I'm going to carry it. You don't need it. I... Look... He's a grown man. You can make his own choices, Virgil's saying, as the two men who pulled you out are heaving the metal doors of the elevator open. And she's, like, beckoning for you guys to come. She's like, come on! You can talk about on the elevator. Sounds good. I gently push him in front of me. Okay, so she pushes you basically into what looks like a completely dark shaft and you fall about like a third of a foot and nearly trip over as you land on a wooden platform that's been built. Okay. Your, uh, what has basically happened is they've created, used the elevator shaft to basically form a dumbwaiter. So they have a rope that runs it all the way up. She, uh, the, the other two uh, men and Virgil jumps on. Virgil kicks the side of the wall, a particular metal part, and this kick creates a vibration that travels all the way up. There's a pause and then a return vibration echoing from above all the way down. And the, the shaft begins to move upwards as you two are lifted out of the pit and upwards. Okay. I like to lean over to Jacob and just start a conversation. Um, hey, sorry. Hey, yeah, uh, yes, yes. So, uh, I guess I, I was I was being honest before. I haven't talked to many people in my life because me ha- hasn't talked to many. Um, I, I, um, I, I don't know. I've never really been open about this, but, um, sorry. I obviously, uh, have like you said a kind of men- a personality disorder it's 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 always been a defense mechanism um and last i remember i was in orlando florida um and i was working for nasa um uh illegally i snuck in and they never questioned it until just a few about a year ago uh and i had to run away uh and leave that life behind and I heard about this company uh Elios and thought this was my my opportunity to get back into the science game because man oh space and science I love it um sorry this is very 
succinct down. But uh, that's that that whole place is now underwater and can was controlled by a seemingly godlike machine. Uh, and I don't know what to think anymore. And I, if I put on this lab coat, I can go back to being the scientist, but there is no science place to do the sciencing. And I'm not, I can't, and I am, I am. Virgil puts like her hand up. She's been like <laughs> leaning against the rope. It's like, well, if you like put half of it on, like one sleeve in. I kind of wave her away. It's and like- then like have it half on. So you could like flip flop, you know, like a superpower. That that'd be cool. Look, if <laughs> if I don't know, it's all it's all in my head, and and if if I put it on, I can be smart again and useful, and I have so much all all this access. But if I don't, I could do something different because I like I I never been out this long. Uh, I I first. I first, I first, I first, and I just start to like repeat. I first, first. He's gonna just. Uh, it's I okay. S- just stop talking. Take a deep breath. It's all right. Uh, look, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I do understand, and it's okay. It's all right. Uh, okay. Um. Listen. Um, sometimes. Sometimes the world we live in doesn't make sense. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't seem fair. And it it doesn't seem to matter what we do or, or what we try to achieve. Or something will always happen and get in the way. But in this life, we always have a choice. We always have the choice to decide whether we're going to do harm or good. And and that choice is, is a powerful thing. Now, you may not be a scientist. You may not be clever. You may not have the ability to touch a super weapon like our friend... Dylan, but but that choice that you have right now is more valuable than any education, than any resume. That choice is what makes you who you are. You know, I never got to say it because the robot was a jerk. Um, yeah, he was a... <laughs> but... Uh, I also, I had someone like, like he did, uh, it was my mother. Um, yeah, it, it was my mother, um, very, very long time ago, but it feels fresh at the moment. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, it's... It's def- thank you. It's hard. Um, okay. You know, your mother would want you to have the choice as well. And you can notice throughout this whole conversation, I've been like holding 
but Jacob's been holding his finger where his ring used to be. One second. And so would my wife. Virgil. It's a damn long elevator ride. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if you would, you know, not, you know, give my boys some credit, like they're lifting four people right now. Yeah, they have a few, like, ways to make it easier, but they are, you know, doing this by hand. That, that was an out of podcast. Uh, oh, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob in his head is like, damn, she's, she can read thoughts. Yes. <laughs> what? I shouted, <laughs> Virgil. Yes. Yeah, that's why we start having the conversation. Is, is, the, Virgil, is the, is the fight over yet? Do is there more no, to do? No, no. The machine was a very big part of this, but, and uh, our biggest problem is I was going to mention it uh, in a second, but I'll mention it now. You guys used the gun, didn't you? Well, that's we fine. Did. That's fine. That, Dylan did. Yeah, I'm not blaming anyone. We thought using the gun would be a good idea. Wasn't a good idea. I see. It's created another relay. I, I don't was know wondering that about that. So the tear is growing. It's getting bigger and bigger, and we haven't yet really run the numbers on all that. But uh, we're concerned because the gun's not here, isn't it? We were listening to the machine. The gun's gone. The last, the last time we saw it, Dylan had it, and yeah. I don't know where because he is now. If the gun's gone, the other half of the relay isn't here. Which means the relay doesn't make sense. Which also means the relay doesn't have its second part. It means the relay is just going. And has no possible end to it. So the tear has no limit to how much it can grow. Because the relay will just continue. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm doing my best to understand. The relay is... Okay. What is the relay? Is the relay the gun? No. The, so, the relay... So... There are, two, there are these two items. So there's the gun, and, the and then there's the cube. Yes, the cube the... is at the heart of this tear because it is an, an original item from a different realm. And the gun has had contact with that realm. And so when the gun was originally shot, that energy was communicated between the two closest linked items. They are linked in their way of communicating power. And that created a relay that slowly, over a matter of seconds, grew to an uncontrollable amount. And that is too much for our reality to handle. And it tore reality open. We thought that after that, the gun would have lost some of that and still have been a useful item for us. I mean, the machine protects it like it is. It's, it had like Lazarus protecting that area. For a reason, we thought, so we thought we could use the gun against it. So we take... I'll take responsibility for that, George. If he was here, he'd take responsibility for that. It looks like it's created another loop, but the problem is the gun isn't here. We can't find the gun, and from what the machine said, it sounded like the gun's gone. I which means, see. a part of the loop, it, this loop shouldn't happen. The gun's gone, but the loop is happening. All right. I see, so... Uh, perhaps the same thing that happened to Ajax has now happened to Dylan. He got caught up inside the, the new tear th uh, thing that he created. That's, that's a possibility, but the fact is the gun didn't go when Ajax left. Yes. Or was okay. destroyed or whatever. What about... And this is going to completely break the reality of uh, the future because we know what's happened back in the future. I don't. Some of us know what's happened back in the future. <laughs> what if we th throw the cube... In. 
because throw, throw the cube in. The cube is the the tear. The cube originates from there. We can't throw the cube in. The, why, why the cube not? originates. Can't you send it back to where it was? That's like trying to throw a window Displaced. through itself. Could we try it? No. I is, mean, is that because of future story reasons? No, because of the reality of trying to throw a window through itself. <laughs> it has physicality. <laughs> Jacob Melgrave. You're a doctor. A man of sight. Yes, but I also cube. Rift. Throw a cube into Rift. Cube is Rift. Cube is Rift. So throw them together. Bobby's going to say the dumbest thing at the moment. Well, if you can't throw a window through itself, what if we throw another window through the window? Why can't we break the window? Virgil points. Now, that is closer than you think of what we're about to try and do here. Okay. And, uh... You see that uh, you are reaching another doorway. She bangs on the metal again and it the dumbwaiter slows and the two guys once again pull open the door and she stands out to it. She holds up a finger to you to show that we will continue this in a second. And she gets out and you realize you've entered back into the second floor where you first entered into Ilios. And for the first time since you came in here, there are people in here. There are real people in here. They are gathered in the far corner, so away as far away from the big window as they can. Wait, so, so we're on the yeah, sorry, second, second floor, room, that right? big room. The third yeah. floor was the fourth the floor. Office. No, the fourth floor was the office. You've come from the ninth floor yep. to gotcha. yeah. Uh, she walks in, and you guys kind of stay near the elevator. The two men join the large group, and she turns to the group and says, "Okay, so I'll be talking in uh, in George's place, okay." Firstly, the mission was an amazing success, guys. We've dealt with at least the physical form of the machine. No more clanging metal keeping us up all day and night. It's still around on whatever's left of the server, but we've cut its power. It's no longer the threat here. And we are still yet to find its uh, its core server of sorts, its main hub. There are still lots of theories about where exactly that is, but we we aren't really any closer to finding where its brain is being housed. You feel like a ripple run through the crowd. Some people cheer, but there's a, a ripple of almost sadness. And you kind of clock it and thinking about it, you kind of realize Ilios has been destroyed through this. And while Allah was tormenting these people. He was basically the greatest thing they as a company ever created. Mm. He was the future of everything they were going to do. And to hear that it's gone is relieving, but also kind of like saying your back-breaking labor has been destroyed. When this is when we kind of realize this. Melgrave turns to whatever your name is, Bobby Stevenson. Bobby Stevenson. Bobby Stevenson. And kind of smiles thinly and he says, Do you think it was supposed to be an anagram? What do you mean? Allah was an anagram for Hal. Oh my goodness. I have a little moment of like, Oh my goodness. Oh, that's. That would be. Oh, that'd be so cool. Do you think that? Do you think that's what it was? Well, he'd read the book. He would have read the book. Oh wait, but isn't Allah also like a religious thing? 
Al is Greek. Al means the defender of man. <laughs> Alex meant the defender of man. It, a lot of names mean the same thing. Depending on how you spell it, there it's is possible. like there is like twenty names for good-hearted. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so she speaks up again. So it's no longer the threat here. What is the threat? Is that? She points out the window, and the people kind of shear away. We were wrong about the gun. It was still volatile, and using it has only made things worse. It's created a relay of power that isn't stopping. The tear is growing larger. If we don't act, we're a bit worried that it'll swallow the whole island. For the first time, you guys move properly into the room now. And once again, your eyes are drawn to the window. But this time, you don't see chaos. You don't see something you can't comprehend, like a poisonous bite. What before might have killed you, you've now had exposure to in what happened with Dylan. You've had exposure to it, like an anti-venom. And you can see it for what it is. An archway stands upon a mountain of rubble. The rubble near it has been worn so incredibly smooth, creating a cap to this mountain that the archway stands on. Within the arch is some speck. You can't make out the details, but from the speck, reality is shattered. Like with the gun in the boardroom, the shattered reality stretches to the edges of the arch, and you see things crawling about around the arch. But you can't see details. Verge notices you guys looking directly at the source. I, as I as I see Virgil turning towards us, I see I can see it. I, I mean, I could see it before, but I can. It. I can see it. It makes sense now. Virgil once again puts up her finger, once again saying, we will talk about this later, and she turns back to the group. The plan goes as follows. Those of you who are able will act as support for the main party. I just need to get up to it, okay? The older and the injured, you guys will make your way to the exits. Once this thing goes down, once the servers come back properly, the normal protocol will go and the blast doors will open. We'll be able to get out. And you guys will have to get out first. So, anyway, break. You see a large group of older people head off towards the entrance you came from with Ma- uh, with Mary. Others head off towards vents and begin to crawl into them. Verge turns to you. So you were there when the, the gun was shot, weren't you? That's right. Yes. That means you can see the tear now. Yes. Well, you can see the arch. Yes. I, I don't understand why or how, but yes. You have been affected by being so close to the gun going off. Not as affected uh, as your friend Dylan would have been if he had survived wherever this is, but... Okay. It's Think of it like how poison can kill you. Wait, are we going to But a die? small dose can't. Like an anti-venom. Exactly. So, or, or a toxin. Or, or consider it like this. An allergy. Yeah. If you walk out on a sunny, sunny day, 
from inside. You have to squint to see. But if you spend enough time out there, your eyes, you can see. Yeah. It's basically what's happened to you. I see. I turn to Bobby and I point towards the group, the older group of people that are heading for the exit. I say, you should go with them. Okay. You should get out while you can. Um, actually, yes, I should. Wait, um, you know what, Jacob, I, I, I look down at my, my lab coat and I just take a second to reflect. I look back up and... Oh heck, decisions. Um Oh, usually the scientists would do this. Um You don't need him. Remember, you have the power of the choice. Sound like a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> the force is with you. I'm um, a Jedi. I've got a laser scalpel. This is bad. This is really, really bad, isn't it? I don't think I really understand how bad it is. Um my mind is is very much shutting down and my whole existence is fabricated and um I have not made I don't think one decision for the last however many years but we can't get out of this without stopping this rift can we she shakes her head I look down at the lab coat. I unfurl it from my arm. I dust it off a bit. I look at it. It's very dirty. It's a little gross. But I put it on. Virgil looks to the doctor, looks back at him, uh, looks no. back to the doctor, like, did you get a sore throat? Jacob makes, like, one of those classic, that's fine, movements with his hand. Okay, so the plan all hinges on this. And she pulls from her pocket a hairbrush. This is a significant that the machine was never able to find. It's it's barely powerful at all. It has very like a very small signature to it, but we might be able to use this with a plan I've got brewing. All right, first off, Virgil was it? Don't care. Anyway, we need to throw in a way a window through this window. We can't use the cube. You have the hairbrush there. In any way, shape, or form, can we use that to close the rift? Yes. Okay. So um, she kind of gestures with the the, uh, <laughs> the the brush. It's like the the machine thought this was lost when it took the ma- the the tear took the massive chunk of Ilios, but I was able to find it in some of the rubble. 
Okay, next question. The gun was used and obviously caused the rift. Now, can the hairbrush also be used in that sort of way? Well, sorry, I need, to think, on, I, need, I need to think from the top here, okay? I was only an intern. She says, okay. This whole thing was caused due to Ajax weakening the walls of reality to the point it became unstable enough to pull and send things through. Then he created a power relay between two of the core items. The power grew so much that it tore reality open. We are now seeing a similar reaction, but on a weaker level, and it's taking longer to ramp up because one of the aspects isn't there. One of the core items isn't there, but the energy is still relaying. Okay. What we need to do is break a part of the reaction, the remaining part of the reaction. She, pull, uh, she pulls from her other pocket what is clearly a homemade explosive. The problem is that this relay builds its power to a point where nothing can stop it, because it starts off at a small amount of power, a single gunshot, for instance. She gestures with the bomb. This... This is much bigger than a gunshot. She holds up the hairbrush. All items that have been affected share a link. The closer they are, the stronger the link. Makes sense, right? Mm. Yeah. So if we set off this bomb and destroy this cube with the explosion, the massive amount of power will destroy the first item of the loop it interacts with. Like a like a wave of feedback energy or something. Exactly. It, the way the loop can work is because it builds from a small amount of energy. If we hit hard, fast, we'll and the first it. time, we'll overload it and break it before it can form a relay. But, and forgive me, I know how this will sound, but if you're wrong... There is also the slight chance that it will create will a massive power loop. Yes, yes. A hundred times the amount of power that... It already has. But you lose every hand you don't take. And you're saying that if we don't take this chance, we're all dead anyway. The, the tear has increased by about 20% in the last two hours. How, how do you know that, that it will continue growing? Maybe, maybe, it will, maybe it will max out with the amount of power that it's, that it's had from the gunshot plus the power that's already there. Uh, make Jacob, it- Jacob. There's one more this, thing. This is the that entire is more pressing at this moment. These are innocent people's question. lives that we have at stake. We need to at least consider where this option. Do we know where Lazarus is? Lazarus will most likely be at the lowest floor. It will go to the machine. Whenever anything bad happens to the machine, Lazarus is programmed to go to the machine. There's nothing that Lazarus is going to be able to do. It's not going to be able to repair the backup generators. So Lazarus is most likely down there. But what we can't be for sure. Did George say something? about it being sound, responsive. Lazarus can't hear. He can't hear? Can't hear, no. Okay. What happened to Lazarus? That note was useless. I start to rub off the, the be quiet. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was great. Yes. Okay. Alice said that, that uh, when Lazarus was shot with the gun by Dylan, something something happened to him. He became independent. He... he gained some kind of ability. Do you know what happened? My my only guess is Lazarus was somehow, because the power of the gun, the, the gun changed after that first relay. It became something else. We're not sure how, but it in a way became sentient in some form or another. That is why not everyone was able to use it. But your friend Dylan was in some matter and so it changed in its purpose and its ability and so when your friend shot Lazarus 
It did something different. It, it created another tear, which we believe most likely either destroyed your friend or pulled him into it, and that's where the gun has gone as well, which is great, because now the source of the relay is gone. But also, Lazarus was in that tear for a moment. Meaning it is now, Lazarus is now a, a an item like the gun. I see. In the same way that these items are, Lazarus can now also walk between those realms through the tear. The gun was in the, the meeting room where we found it. The hairbrush, I don't know where you got that from. The doll is missing, I, I assume. The cube is in there. Is it not worth at least entertaining the possibility of sending Lazarus into the new rift to retrieve the gun? And I understand that- the concept, but the problem is you don't understand Lazarus. Lazarus is the formation of human beings into one form that has then been customized. It is completely... I, I understand how he was created. Yes, it is completely under the control of the machine. The machine isn't dead. We've destroyed its backup power. We've destroyed its physical form, but it's still on the server. It's still in control of Lazarus. Like, we can, we could, like, spend a week and try, and we've been trying. We have, it locked us out. When, when it found out what they did to Ajax, what happened to Ajax, it shuts out of everything. It activated the lockdown and shuts out all our systems. We haven't been able to break its hold on any of the systems, on any of the servers. That is it. That's its highway. That's its house. We can't break into that. Not not within the months of time that we've had. We can't break in. But what if it invited us in? That, that sounds really dumb. That sounds re- what? Well, I like to just mud to myself quickly. I just go. Ah, if only you'd put on the lab coat. Just if only I was there when I was talking to the machine. What I'm th- what I'm thinking is, if the machine is still controlling Lazarus, if this if this rift whatever it is grows, it will destroy the machine too. So maybe we can reason with Allah. I mean, clearly he's intelligent enough to understand what will happen. If we can reason with him, perhaps we can get him to send Lazarus in, bring the gun back, and we can try and stabilize this this loop feedback thing. And if that doesn't work then we have a plan B already and I gestured to the explosives. The problem of your thinking is that you think that Allah cares about us, about this no, world. No, I'm not saying he cares about this world. I'm saying he cares about himself. Allah can, the way Lazarus has worked, Allah can exist solely within Lazarus. So if Lazarus can pass in, that means the machine can leave all this behind and pass in there. I see. Okay. So Lazarus... Lazarus is the machine's scapegoat out of any... It is considered every possibility. It would have. We, pro, we would have programmed see. that. Lazarus is its final escape. It's the thing that can squirrel away, can dig away, can hide away from any ending. And now that we've inadvertently given it the ability to walk between dimensions, doesn't matter what happens, this world could be destroyed and it could live on in Lazarus. Yeah. I understand. Okay, well... In that case, we've considered this stuff. We've like I'm yes. I'm an intern, yes, but the people here I are the brightest I, in the. In I'm sorry, the, I, I don't mean to undermine that. I just out of thought curiosity. it was worth entertaining. Is there any way of talking to Allah again? 
well, yes, but that would require going back down to the server room, which is where we believe Lazarus to be. You could try, but I'm not sure if Allah is in the mood to talk to us anymore. Considering we just killed his main form, he might just do away with us on the journey down. I see. Well, well, we better start heading off. All right. She's going to lead you towards the elevator and then stop you guys for a second. Um, she's, hey, I'm walking over here. <laughs> she's going to, a few guys are going to, to come over and one of them is going to see to uh, the doctor's wounds. Just mm-hmm. going to bandage him up. So roll a D10 of healing for that. D10 of healing? Yeah. Ooh. Damn, boy. Spicy. They put they run, get put, put bandages on you. They run like, um, go. <laughs> roll a two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. These are terrible so they, they they roll some bandages on. They like see that no, there's the like a scratch. No, the whole time I'm like, that's not going yeah. to help. You're not. <laughs> You're not doing you have good not enough. been to medical school. There's like a scratch, and they just like lick their thumb and rub the scratch. <laughs> and it's like that's, that's bad. Going, that, that's bad. It's going to make it worse. <laughs> there's like one of them has a, like a splint. And it's just like, how do I use this? And you're like, my arm's not broken. I feel like at this point, you just you just like push them away, take their supplies, and just start bandaging up yourself. Yeah, actually, can I roll it? Can I roll a sure, D four of of my own? Sure, that's extra one. That's <laughs> I loved watching that dice because it went up and then landed straight <laughs> down. Straight no bounce. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, well, I'm now only three points below my maximum. So okay, that's sweet. That's okay. oh, we're the same. So then, um, oh, that's cute. Oh. Some guys going to also bring over some stuff for you. Uh, Virgil hands you uh, both. Similar contraptions to what she had before. You can decide if you want to take them or not. They are stunning sticks with those two metal points as well. Yeah, grab one I of those bad boys. I lost my bat when we got yoinked. Yoinked. Okay. When we got yoinked. So I'm definitely going to grab that. Okay. And she's also going to hand off just some... Um, it's made from like plastic and some like leather and stuff like that. It's just like something to put on your shoulder, on your wrist type of thing. It's just like... like it's almost like... And some of it's... Clearly, cricket, like yeah, cricket gear, just like rudimentary body armor. Yeah. So what this will do is this will do a minus two whenever anything rolls to hit you. Ah, okay, yep. So whenever anything tries to hit you, it will roll with a minus two, unless it's rolling with advantage, of course. It will roll with a minus two to make contact with you. If it's close, it will ding off the armor and will roll to see if the armor gets destroyed. So it's it's like an extra to our armor class. Yeah. If we're so talking for instance, Dungeons if it rolls a eight and then we lower it by the two, it's still in the mixed result. So then because it's in the mixed result, we will then roll to see if roll the armor opposed. gets destroyed. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. If the armor gets destroyed, you no longer have that support. But I don't take damage. But you don't take damage. Okay. Yeah. So cool. that's how the system will work moving forwards. Okay, so you have your weapons, you have your armor, and Virgil's going to lead you into the... Uh, still don't have my wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. He's going to lead you into the elevator, punch the wall again, and you start to be lowered down. You see the men standing on the platform slowly moving up and away from you. They watch you go down watching you the entire distance, and then they, they walk off and head towards some vents, moving to action as well. Okay. So, if we do run into Lazarus, I imagine someone's going to have to take the bullet. We have a plan for that. Okay. Hopefully. What is that plan? Uh, backup. Backup plan. Very suspicious. You'll see, you'll see. So, I don't trust her. 
the elevator. He's going to pull another Deus Ex Machina on us, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the elevator is lowered down, and you can tell as you count the doors you go down to, you have reached level five, a floor mm. you've not been on before. You stop before the closed doors, and you hear wind howling behind them, and dust scratching against the metal door. Uh. She calls one of you over to help her pull open the metal door. Yep, I'll go. Okay, you pull it open and the the wind kind of catches you full in the face as she walks into what would be some sort of waiting room, but the room is bitten in half. Mm -hmm. She walks out into it and you guys follow her. Yeah. Before you... In slow motion. Backlit by the... I keep towards the back. Okay. Because I don't like the the idea of this backup Mm -hmm. thing. Before you is a plane of rubble, torn apart, shredded, and crushed to the point of being fine as sand. All right. High above you, you can see the large window against the remaining side of the standing building, the window you were just standing at. Before you stretches out a football field long and a football field high space. Virgil walks out onto the plane, sinking in slightly. The powder is less like sand and more like cornstarch, like talcum powder. It is impossibly fine. It has been torn and destroyed in so many different ways. She stands on the plane and she looks back at you, then looks before her at chaos and she says, Unfit for earth, undoomed for heaven. Darkness above, despair beneath, around it flame. Within it, death. And she begins to march, sloshing her way through the powdered remains of Ilios. along the lonesome desert of Ilios, knee-deep in its powdered remains. Wind from whatever the source is beats against you, churning the powder in great masses. Occasionally it looks like a great sandworm or beast is moving beneath it in the way the powder churns, but it soon settles before another gust of wind moves it to the other side. You pass the great pit that you saw before that leads down to the remains of the machine, many stories below you. It is clear they dropped whatever charges were down this pit that already existed to blow up the final layer of concrete before the machine to drop it down. Okay. Virgil leads you on towards the spire at the back of this great cavern. You reach it, and as you begin to trek up this great mountain of rubble that has been worn smooth, almost like crystals by the swirling wind, as you begin to move up, you hear a scuttling sound. Verge puts out a hand and stops you. You look up, and above you, closer to the arch, you see something crawl down and stand a few metres before you. Something unimaginable. It wears a large grey rag like a poncho, a hole for its non-existent head to fit. You see a creature made of black smoke before you. Within the smoke you see a darkness of no discernible shape, but you you do see a true form. Poking out from within the smoke are spindly branches. 
the arms are more clearly made of thicker branches, like roots. So too are the legs. But the ever-moving smoke makes it impossible to see the creature clearly. It growls at you. Before you can act, you hear a distant whistling sound. Before an arrow slams into the creature's chest and pins it to the ground. You spin around to see a handful of men and women standing on the remains of the different floor levels of the destroyed remains of Ilios. On each floor is what looks like a roughly made mounted crossbow. (laughs) The backup plan. Yes! One person is aiming it, the other is loading it with sharpened chair, legs and the sort. You turn your attention back to the creature as it gives off a howl. But similar to how there are frequencies that only dogs can hear, its shriek seems to move in and out of your ability to hear it. Before it can finish, Virgil leaps forward and slams her stun rod into the creature. There's a flash and it flinches away. She brings it up, then cracks it down. She does it again and again and again before the creature finally stops moving entirely. She breathes deeply as she pulls the stun rod out of the creature. Suddenly, you see emerge from above you six, at least, more of these creatures. From high up on the spire to closer down towards you. They all growl at you. Then... From a distance off, you hear the sound of shattering glass. You spin it around to see a monstrosity, Lazarus, dive from the window of the second floor and land in the powder. Its large tail, which you now see is mostly made of mechanical parts, rears up as it stands in this great plain of destroyed Ilios and begins to run towards you. Roll for initiative. Alright, I kind of have a question about... Oh, four. <laughs> Natural 20! I have a, just a quick question about the powder. Yes. Um, you know how you can... What does it taste like? Does it taste like donuts? Hey, one thing. If you breathe it in... <gasps> not good. Oh, no, that would be horrible. Hang you on. wouldn't die as quickly as if it got lit on fire, but... You get that. <laughs> I'm just going to Google this quickly because I'm very curious. Okay, so, um, you, uh, uh, Bobby, or uh, Orlando, you go at the very last yeah. of everything oh, no. here. Everything. So there's BJ at 12, creature number 2 at 12, creature number 5 at 12. What? Creature number 1 what? at 7, creature number 6 at 7, creature number 4 at 6, creature number 3 at 5. No, I need to inspect your dice. You have a loaded dice. Oh, I, I and, Lazar- I just... and Lazarus goes at 4, so you go at the same time as Lazarus. Oh, so, so. <laughs> I guess I just have a moment where I'm like, oh wow, that was the backup plan. Huh? Oh <laughs> uh, no, we need a backup plan for the backup, backup plan. plan. I'm just thinking about concrete and flammability. Okay, so here's how the uh, round is going to go. So you have six creatures that you're going to be combating with. Every round, the archers will take their shots. So there's a series of archers, and they will roll to attack the, the creatures that you're fighting at, and also to slow down Lazarus. Okay. And every round, Lazarus will roll to get closer to you guys. Okay. So you're basically he's, trying to he's fight. He's got to traverse... He's got to traverse about a football pitch of distance while also being shot at. Yeah. So it's going to take him a little bit, but your goal is to fight your way up, either defeat everything or make your way up, defending yourself and getting to the the top of the tower, whatever you want to do. These enemies aren't incredibly difficult, but there is quite a few of them. Yeah. But you are also being supported. So you're basically two to one at the moment with backup support. But you do have something coming after you. Okay, so number one goes to BJ. Right, um, <clears throat> okay, so the cube we're saying is 
in the archway, which is at the top of the hill. Yeah, you were you were quite a trek away from it still. So it'd take you a good three or four minute run to get to the top of it. So So we're like half a kilometer away. No, half a kilometer. No, so you're going up and you're also being attacked in the process. So I'd say you're about... Because like a four minute minute run is about a kilometer. You're about 100 feet away from it, going up like that type of thing. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, All right, well, I will immediately run towards the arch. Okay. Uh, so, that means uh, you have creature two and five that will be attacking you in that process. Alright, so I'll take running with my twelve. The, the first one that I start, that like comes towards me, I'm gonna attack it. Okay, we'll say because uh, they also went first, they'll be running towards you first. So you'll be attacking number two, so roll to hit for me. Okay. Oh, that's an eight! That's a success! That's a success. Okay, so... Uh, I believe we said your weapon. I'll I'll say you use a, a D8. D8 is on the other side of the Tim Tam packet. Let me just. Yeah, I'll give you, <laughs> you that bad boy. Okay, I do four damage to it. That's not Sweet. good. And then do I get an attack of opportunity against the other one that's coming towards me? Because I'm no, not anything you would get. No, so that's your action. You've been running. You're running up, and you've been attacked here. Okay. So now your uh, creature two will get lurched back, and is also going to make a jab for you. Okay. Three minus two, it misses. So you see it bring its arm around, and from its arm, you see spindly branches extend out, Ooh. growing out, and it sweeps over your head as you keep going. Number five will also land down near you, jumping from a higher area of the mountain, okay. and it's also going to swing for you. Yep. 11 minus two, it hits you. Okay, so. Okay. Um, it will. Okay. Um, so it you die. It slips in the in the uh, rubble a little bit and half falls over and swings its arm a bit too low and catches you more, bruises you in the side, bangs you and kind of wins you. So you deal. Okay. Uh, you take one damage from that. Okay. So you got off pretty well. <laughs> Just a little dick. Merely a flesh wound. This is exactly how well I'd be feeling if I hadn't also tried to heal myself. Yep, basically. Okay, so then, uh, one of the other creatures is going to see Virgil has killed one of its friends, basically, and is going to go for her. Uh, six, okay, so six minus two, so it dives for Virgil, and Virgil moves her head back as its arm goes down and slams into the rubble, knocking up pieces of stone and dust into the air. Right, okay, and so then... The, the next creature is going to see Orlando and is going to die for him as well. They're not having very good luck today. It's, it's going to skid its arm along the dirt running towards you and there's going to see Lazarus making its way up the plane and is going to slow down a little bit and the process trip over its own feet and okay. just roll in the ground before you. Okay. All right, creature number six. Yep. <laughs> Okay, well, that one rolls an 11. Okay, so one of the creatures farther ahead, BJ, up on the the spire is going to see you running up and is going to growl and is going to lift up a piece of concrete and is going to chuck it at you. And with an 11, it does hit. Okay. So I will roll a larger roll for that bad boy. 
five damage. The rock swings down. You've just dodged one, dodged another, and you look up and you catch it right in your shoulder. You feel the shoulder bone there crunch in a little bit. It isn't broken, but you feel it crunch. You feel like maybe the, uh, oh, you feel maybe the side of your collarbone might have crunched in. And tears well up in your eyes as pain rushes through you, but you're still running up. Caleb, it is your go. Oh, it's my go. Okay. Uh, I wasn't ready for this. It took so long. Um, so there's six creatures. Yes. Not including Lazarus. Not including Lazarus. Uh, so BJ has passed. Oh, Jacob has passed two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there what? is one in front of him, two here, three there. You and Virgil, Lazarus. <laughs> Lazzy. Okay. Wait, so there's one in front of me, one in front of Virgil? No, so there are. There is one in front, like quite a ways in front of, uh, of BJ. BJ. And then there are two on either side of BJ. That he's running through, kind of. And then there's three in front of you. So there's one okay. who fell over to your left, there's one in front of you, and there's one over who was attacking Virgil. Okay. So one to my left, uh, one in front of me, one to the right attacking Virgil. Um, and is it directly behind me that Lazarus is? Mm-hmm. But a distance off. Run over to behind Virgil. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I just, like, ready myself for an attack? Mm-hmm. Yep, you can. Cool. So, I'll, we'll say, because you've readied the next attack. Oh. I like this, like, <clears throat> run over towards Virgil. Kind of have her half blocking me. Yeah. So, that if something attacked, it attack her first. But be ready... <laughs> To <laughs> okay. retaliate. So the way we'll work attacked. it is if she gets attacked, you will get an attack of opportunity. I like it. Sweet. That works. Okay, so I'll now roll for Lazarus. Tables won't. It's taking a very long time to get across this area. <laughs> okay. jumps, jumps through the window, lands, licks his paw. <laughs> Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then oh. Virgil is going to see what you're doing and kind of push you to the side a little bit. Bring up her stick and is going to like using it like a um, like a baseball bat. Swing out the legs of the creature before it, knock it onto the ground, lift up the stun stick and stab it in. And she is going to roll damage. All right. Two. She misses with the the stab in, but still knocks it onto the ground. Sweet. Okay, so now we're going to have the archers roll. Hey. <laughs> I don't like the look that Chester just gave us. Oh. I don't like any. I don't like any look Chester gives us. You really None like- of them hit. Uh, not what? a single one of them here. They rolled two ones. Oh, no. Two na- so they're just like, doom, doom, doom. They see Lazarus going. I was like, oh. They doom, doom, shooting them off at like walls and all that type of stuff. Like, oh, this, it's a wild one. And the knockback on this thing's crazy. Yes. You realize, Chester, that if we don't succeed, you'll have fundamentally broken the narrative of the main series because you'll have destroyed the entire universe that it resides. Backup plan, bam, bam, backup plan. So we don't even have to do anything. Deus Ex Machina, we just sit there. Well, it's all about how many of your characters make it out of my story, not whether my story concludes itself. <laughs> okay, top if of the round. If die, Virgil goes on and does it for yeah, us. Basically. Okay, so BJ, you'll go. I'm going to become an NPC so that I can't die. 
<laughs> I like to just lobotomize myself to NPC status. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Because <laughs> nice job, you, that's hero. Why. Um, These have the most 2D dialogue. Ever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Can you find my missing goat for me? <laughs> there is no game. <laughs> Thank you, traveler. <laughs> um, I want to get the cube a lot, so I'm going to keep running. Um, you do realize, though, you don't have the brush or the bomb, right? Mm. Virgil has that. And she's at the back. Yeah, but she's currently. way back there. Yeah. Yeah. That's her problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I can get the cube and bring it to her... So you're going to pull the cube yeah. out of its reality source. Yeah, sure. Out of the, okay. <laughs> well, like my first thought is cubes up there. We got to get up there. I won't. I won't question. The you, slower I walk, the more rounds of attack I have to endure before we get there. It's not my fault that Virgil's you being a silly a and weapon. isn't running. Yeah, I know. Okay, cool. Anyway, no, um, but, but but my other thought was, if I go out in front, I'm going to draw their attention. Sure, that's what your thought was. Yes, it was. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to keep running forward and okay. then. Attack anything that gets near me, basically. Okay, so... So um, which is the closest one now? You're going to deal with uh, creature number five, which is to your right. Okay. And it's going to be running alongside you, so you're going to have a chance to kind of, like, swing out to your side. I was just trying That's to think if there's some, something things. I could do to try and give me advantage, but if it's running beside me, probably I'll just take a swing at it, so... Okay. Yeah. Sleep the leg, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like... Ah. Would I like go to stop running or something to like get it off balance and then hit it? But if you want, yeah, I'll try that. Okay, cool. Roll for me. So I'll I'll roll to see if if I can move in a way that gets it off balance. Sure. And if I fail the roll, I'll just say I attack it. <laughs> if you fail the roll, you'll go off balance. No. <laughs> Got a three. <laughs> okay. It doesn't it doesn't work. Okay. It's it's not bad, but it's just like the plan didn't work. So you've now stopped and it's like skidded right in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't even matter because I rolled a natural 12 on okay, my attack. Yeah. Okay, yeah, double your damage. Yes. Uh, we said D8? D8, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eight damage. Uh, okay, so... Um, 16 would have been nicer. Imagine you rolled a 16 there. <laughs> Just like... Demolished. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like... It's like I do the thing, it doesn't trip, and I like... Stand there for a second. Huh! Why? <laughs> Okay, so the way this works is you uh, are running alongside this creature. You skid to a stop. It skids in front of you as you are bringing up this stun stick and you bring it down in an arch and crack it into its neck. It's, the shock goes out. It shudders a little bit and then you carry through with the rest of the hit and tear through a part of its root neck. It still it reels back and just like you hear that shriek that you can only just hear once again as it tries to like falls back quite a bit. You have damaged it extensively with that hit. It's now in nice. front of you and there is still the other one further up ahead. This one's quite hurt over here. Now yep. you're going to deal with uh, creature number two which is behind you to a little bit and so it's going to seeing you do this to its friend it's going to dive towards you behind you. Can I attempt to throw so like the one I've just attacked is clearly quite damaged. Mm -hmm. Can I attempt while it's dazed to grab it and throw it towards the one that's coming towards me so like it's coming for me and then its friend gets thrown at it uh that's too many actions okay. i think that's fine i mean virgil got two but you know it's all good 
Virgil's just awesome. Virgil's dope, man. Virgil's like Virgil's oh, an NPC. So, so am I. I should get two attacks. I'm a human too. <laughs> Wait, what was her two attacks? Well, her two attacks was the one thing. Like, I wasn't going she to sweep the leg and then. Yeah, which, but yeah. like that's the same thing as you doing. Okay. Like, I wasn't going to like give her two rolls of damage. It was the same thing. It was just a cool way of describing the thing rather than just she hits it. 10 damage. Sick. Sick. <laughs> it's like, it's called adding story to combat, BJ. My next attack's gonna That's be, fine. I attack it. Very it good, yes. damage. <laughs> Thank you, yes. I bow. Okay, um, seven, six, okay, so uh, it launches for you and clips the side of your armor. So we're gonna roll okay. for it to destroy your armor. So you roll for me. Yeah. Uh, 10. Ooh. Now, what, in what way are we perceiving that? So, is twelve it being successful? Yeah, or I feel like one, you're higher successful. Yeah. Let's say so it's succeeded. Same as, same Wait, as. So, so it succeeded destroying the item. No, because I'm rolling. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. I'm it's rolling. I'm rolling for my armor to see if it gets destroyed. Okay, so, and I rolled a yeah. success. Okay, so, so it the, the armor cl- it clips off your shoulder armor piece basically and lands next to his friend in front of you. Sure. All right, and so then uh, the next creature who's higher up is going to once again grab up hands full, handfuls of rocks and is going to chuck them towards you. Four. The the rocks are hitting all around you, but they're smaller ones. They're not doing any real damage to okay. you. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to roll I these other ones. I prancing up the mountain. Twelve. Okay, so oh, the one before uh, Mr. Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just forget all the names. You just, or you're Caleb now. Before, Do you? Mr. Jones. Before Orlando. He rolled an 11, so he's going to swipe for you. Does one bit of damage. Oh, Skims you across the cheek. It's a bit... Ah, it's like, ah, ah, ah. He now has, like, a really attractive-looking scar on <laughs> yeah. Like, all of the main Just characters in the action bone. movies. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one, uh, yep, it misses Virgil. Oh, and, oh. Uh, yep, that one does hit Virgil. Okay, so... Okay. Oh, what is it? A five. Oh. Uh, Virgil is busy trying to like she sees you get like slapped across the face and she's like paying attention to you another one lands before her brings its arms back and darts them forwards and stabs its rooted fingers into her stomach and you see its rooted fingers growing out into her stomach and then tear them back oh dear, like that's large good. creating large gnashes in her skin no. and she like stumbles back a little bit Caleb, you'll go. As right. a doctor, I'm going to say that's bad for her. Yeah. So you're over in front of us, all, so you know. <laughs> I didn't even say it. He's out doing the big boy damage right, out so the this, front. So this, um, do I not get an attack of opportunity against this thing? You do, yes. Actually, okay. yeah, you're right. If anything attacks her, you get the attack of opportunity. Cool. Sorry, um, yeah. So sorry. first attack, then you get an action and another attack. Mm. Cool. Um, so I'd like to, uh, first of all, they're like the the taser things right mm. yeah so i like to just stab at it yep um to kind of push it back okay um what do i roll for that uh d12 d12 nine okay you hit so then cool. roll a d8 of damage that's the d8 two two oh, okay it goes <laughs> zaps back a little bit after it's mutilated your friends pass the explosives to me i'll run up ahead with jacob you keep them distracted here. 
<laughs> Virgil is like keeping an arm over her profusely bleeding stomach. And he's like, you're gonna leave me? No, let's just, let's just go. And she looks back and sees Lazarus like, we gotta go, we're not gonna be able to finish this now. She pulls out of her pocket the um, explosive, but she doesn't give you the detonator or the hairbrush. And okay. she pushes you ahead of her and she's gonna start trying to trek up as well. Cool. Um, then I'm going to, yeah, just... We're running past the creature, aren't we? Yeah, do you wanna do another slap? Yeah, I like to try and get another slap at it as Slappy we're passing D. by it. Sure thing. Uh, I'd like to try and create a space for Virgil to run past me as well. Roll well, for, you, you are basically yeah, doing that, so. Cool. Roll for pimp slap. Two! Oh, you miss. You kind of like, eh. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like a meter away and I'm like, <laughs> I'm a scientist. I'm not a fighter. Perfectly lined up, but like twice, like half the distance away that you should have. I have no depth perception. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. like, it's like um, the doctor in that's in the Star Trek Into Darkness movie. I'm a doctor, goddammit. <laughs> I just keep running then. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lazarus is good. Wow, he's taking a while to get along this, that, this that gap. That jump from the glass thing really, like, oh, did man. it up right. He's like, oh, that sprained an ankle. I he did himself. He's like, shouldn't it. have done that. <laughs> okay, Virgil's go. So Virgil, seeing you miss this attack, she's a little bit behind you, is going to actually go for the hit. <laughs> so roll, roll. Kill steal. Kill steal. Oh, my gosh. And she does it. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me she kills it. No, she does three. Okay, she um, catches it. It's like reaching out an arm for her and she catches it along and like tears off a part of its arm as she's going up. Okay, let's see if these guys can roll a little better this time. <laughs> that's exactly shout what- shout out to them, shoot better. <laughs> no, that's exactly what the guy in charge of the archers sounds like. He's like, all right, we're going to go again. See if you can shoot a bit better, guys. <laughs> Aim for I'm getting, them! I'm getting really stressed out. I'm cutting all this. <laughs> please, please cut it. Okay. Please just cut it. Okay, so you see four shots fly through the air yeah. and the creature that you were just attacking, who just attacked Virgil, kind of rears itself up and then is caught in the throat Ooh. by one of these shots and blasts through it and stabs into the ground. The, the other one got pinned to the ground. This one just tears a hole through it and you see it erupt into smoke and disappear. The next one, Whoa. one of the ones who is lying on the ground in front of you catches it in the neck and its head is torn clear off. Okay. And the uh, one that was to Caleb's right left hand side that fell over trying to get him is trying to climb its way up and catches it through the spine. It like crunches like a book closed Ooh. as it is like torn in two pieces and it erupts once again into this smoke. There is one that's taken eight damage. There is one that's taken uh, three damage. So oh. there are two remaining. Oh, there's only two. Are those the ones near BJ? There is the one... The uh, one that took eight damage is the one I just one you were fighting. And then there is the one at... I must have deleted the wrong one. Then there's the one at the top that hasn't uh, taken eight damage. Throwing, yeah. but these are the only ones you've seen so far. Yeah. These are the ones that have heeded the call. Uh, so far. And I'm just going to roll something else. It's not important to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, things are actually happening here, which is nice. All right. So, 
You make your, uh, now it's some, your path has been cleared by the backup. You are making your way up strongly. Uh, I'm going to say, top of the round, you get another uh, hit at this remaining creature in front of you. Yep, okay. It's taking eight damage. Yep, so I'll go for it. Roll for that. It's on the ground, so roll with advantage. Okay. Um, so just to confirm, there's now no creatures around the other two. Yeah, they're, they've got yeah. a clean sweep. But you haven't really seen that because you've just heard the whistle of arrows type of thing. So sure. yeah. you're just fighting another one. Still. Okay. Oh, that one fell on floor. I have I have a little bit less dice rolling room yeah. than I normally do. Uh, that's a six to hit it, which is with advantage. Remember? With advantage. With advantage, yeah. Oh, that's a ten. So okay. I hit it. Uh, roll damage for me. This creature is trying to pull itself up from the ground. It's clutching at its throat. You bring the zappy stick back up again and you fling it in the same motion you did before and you behead this creature. You see its smoking rooted form fly away and then erupt into this this, um, smoke and it is gone. The the rag it was wearing uh, is caught by the wind and flown into the air. Oh, cool. The other two join you as you all start marching your way, running this time up the hill with the ever-looming presence of Lazarus, which has made a lot more progress. He has now reached the bottom of the spire and is now heading up after you guys. It, uh, let me just also roll. Um, so the archers have returned to their normal standard and have not landed a hit on him. Hey, guys, what do you reckon <laughs> we should shoot at? All right, that was good. Now, what's that rag in the air? Shoot it! <laughs> and they all, like... Three arrows converge on the coat. It's a nat 12. They hit the coat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and pin it to a wall. Threads it like a needle. <laughs> they're, all, they're all just like, it goes to the close-up, like, from like all those Western movies. It's like, yeah. That's my job done. The best, it, the best one leaves. All of the all of the archers cheer, and then the three of us cheer. They're like, what? Idiots! <laughs> it's like, Hey! Hey, guys! Loving inventions. How large Lazarus is, and they just keep. <laughs> We've been living in vents for months, guys. We can barely see in this light. We've been living in the dark. They have a policy of hit and then miss, hit and then miss. Yeah, it's so you don't get like too expecting of them. Yeah, yeah. they're uh, scientists after all. Scientists. But somehow they can hit. Like scientifically proven, the most difficult target no, in the entire that, no, room. That's because one of them was like, "I hypothesized that you can't hit that." And He was like, "Ooh, hypothesize like, your pull, face, Jeremy." Pull that one code. They pull out their computers, their technology. <laughs> they do some calculations, run the numbers well, like based off the air currents and air density, uh, the powder, the weight and density of the coat. <laughs> and there's this one intern in the corner. This is one intern in the corner is like, guys, you should be shooting the monster. Guys, guys, Virgil's going to be so mad. Guys. No, and then there's just one next to the gun who's just like, oh, I calculated it. And he's like... All right, two like, degrees no, left. He's like, looks up at this, the guy Amy is like, the numbers check out. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. They're yeah. all cheering up there. Like, you haven't hit it yet. <laughs> we are going to die. Yeah, you see my, my six <laughs> three, three, my six, three sixty man? <laughs> There's a 0.3 chance of working, but I did it. You have a 0.3 chance of being alive when we get back there. That's like Virgil. (laughs) Okay, so you are making your way up the spire with the ever-looming presence of Lazarus coming behind you. Uh, You reach the plateau at the top where this last creature is. It sees that there are three of you now and it scuttles away back behind the arch. 
So the, you're now standing on the Great Plateau where it's been worn super smooth by these fine little particles that are running through the air. You can feel like your skin feels really rough and kind of micro-scratched by these tiny little particulates and they've clearly worn down this stone in a very quick manner because of how much there is of it. Mm-hmm. Before you is the arch. Now to describe the arch, the arch is made of some type of black metal that you don't fully comprehend. And similar to the doll, it's kind of phasing in and out of existence. And it gives you the concept that it isn't fully actually here. It exists in two places at once. Okay. Sort of idea. Uh, at the center is the cube. The cube you saw in the, uh, the gr- dark little viewing area. From it, reality is shattered out and shattered through it and shattered around it and it extends to the edges of the arch and you can see that the arch is almost like pieces of think of it like weird comparison but when uh in the first harry potter when a hagrid tapped on the bricks and they moved out the arch is doing that in kind of like a Uh. slower form it's like crunching its way out it feels like the the little mini robots from from um my uh, big hero six I haven't seen it, so... so sure. Probably. Yes, probably. I haven't seen it either. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're crunching out. And Weirdly enough, see, I yeah. got the Harry Potter reference somehow. That's because I made that happen. I yeah. forced that to happen. <laughs> I showed you those movies. Yeah, um, this is the, true. This is where the wind is coming from, basically, is these cracks are displacing air. It's similar to when you saw Dylan shoot the gun. You see that the air is heating and cooling, expanding and shimmering and moving and being torn around it is being disturbed here and this is where the source of the wind is coming from so how close are we to it you're about uh 50 feet so it's at the center okay. of this rather large plateau and uh okay so we're at the the top of the thing now yeah plateau uh what can we see on the plateau so the plateau that? you can see that there are large areas and parts of rubble that were larger pieces that have been worn down to look almost like like uh Precious jewels, almost. They still look like concrete and all that type of stuff, but they've been worn down. They are glowing in this light that's reflecting from this this archway. And other than that, you can see a few of those similar creatures you saw scuttling up over the arch. They see you and kind of move back a little bit. You're not sure if it's seeing you or more seeing Lazarus coming up behind you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virgil is going to... <clears throat> take a step forward and she's going to kind of fall to one knee still clutching around her stomach and she's going to pull out the um, the brush and is going to hold out her hand for the explosive. So she takes it from Orlando and she pulls from her pocket just some electrical tape and starts to wind them together to connect them together and she is going to... Jacob's going to help her with that kneel down. Okay. She's going to rip it with her teeth and hand it to um, the doctor and say, okay... Once it gets close enough, it'll enter into almost like a, a gravitational pull. The cube will pull it in close because it's something like it. It will begin to move around it, and that's when we can detonate the bomb. Okay, I understand. I, I take the package, and I start walking towards the arch. Okay. The um, wind buffets your clothing. <clears throat> you feel, as you're holding this, it's rather heavy. The explosive is rather heavy. The pain in your um, collarbone just aches. And you're slowly making your way ahead. Uh, I'd like to also follow behind him. And as he buffets, support him and go, Here, I'll carry it. It's okay, but... No, 
You are injured, clearly. I'm fine. Pass it to me. Now. Hmm. I don't know if I trust you, Trench Labcoat you. <laughs> That's fair. Before you can finish this conversation, you are a few meters along on this plane when you hear the scuttling of some rocks and you look behind you to see Virgil spinning around as Lazarus mounts onto this plateau as well. And she begins to back up when his tail roots back in this mechanical arm, this long piece of barbed point. The barbed point goes out and there is a mechanical clink as these points extend out from the barb like a cactus pointing out and down along the point as well. She is turning around and begins to trip a little bit and Lazarus doesn't stop a beat. It brings its tail along the ground, swiping it up and catching her in the stomach, tearing into her and lifting her up off the ground as she was half falling over, lifting her up. And from her hand, as she was pulling it from her pocket, the detonator control falls out from her hand and clatters onto the ground. It pulls her up into the air and you see those barbs from before extend out and stab. You see them stab through different parts of her stomach, through different parts of her stub, stab through the side of her rib into one of her arms. And then it brings up and flicks and sends her off from it and cracks her onto the ground. She bounces and then lays completely still. My mum's not going to like this scene. No, no, no. Okay, so... Just instinctively, immediately as that happens, like almost in a single motion, I because you are already reaching for the explosives, mm. I pass them to you cool. and say, get that to the archway, and I immediately start sprinting back for the detonator yeah. as fast as I can. <clears throat> Lazarus steps forward so the, la- the detonator is just beneath him, and you see its face extend in a wide grin as the tail moves around as you run up towards it. Oh, I hate how dumb my mind is. Um, Lazarus is pretty close, right? Well, Lazarus is at the far end of this area. Of yeah. this uh, 50 foot... Does it say 50 foot? Yeah, 50 foot. Um, Consider just a circle. It's a 50 foot circle. He's at the very far edge where Virgil was, where the detonator is. I would say... Uh, uh, the Doctor is probably about 10 metres away from him. You're probably around now 10 metres back from him. So near the... My uh, question arch. is, is as... Yeah, he's running towards Lazarus for the detonator. Do I have an opportunity to pull out the scented candle from my pocket and throw it at whatever Lazarus has as an eye? Oh, please do that. Sure, if you want. It would be a bit hard. I would have to make you roll with disadvantage because it's quite a distance. Yeah, because I was just wondering. Yeah, give it a go. <laughs> please roll two 12s. 11. Okay. 12! <laughs> yeah! Okay, roll damage. Oh, heck. Because I just want to try and stun its eye to give him an opportunity to get the detonator. Okay. Uh, I... Do that. For that, can I roll an 8? No. Ah, D4. D4. Or Which one's that? This one. A little triangle boy. Four! Yes! Wow, okay. that's very What impressive. a shot! Um, no, no, <laughs> hold, have, hold your little... Your I have little, a suggestion. Hold your little suggestions. <laughs> the scented candle flies through the air. It seems to go off course a little bit, but then the pressure of the wind seems yes! to, like, curb it like a boomerang <laughs> back and just, like, slaps Lazarus in the side of the face. Like, boom! As, like, 
<laughs> like it like closes one eye, blinks a few times. Its tail kind of comes over and like rubs that area a little bit and like brings up one of its paws. Like its mutilated hands is like <laughs> blinks a few times and then continues to look at the person running towards him. So oh. while that's happening, do I have enough time to like sprint epic slide on the ground underneath Lazarus and grab the detonator. BJ also rolls a 12. Roll, roll of disadvantage and I'll also roll. Okay. <clears throat> to see whether I could get there in time. To see whether you can get there in time and I'll see distracted. his reaction to okay. it. Eight. 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 Does it have to be with disadvantage? Because yes. okay. you're running and sliding. You're a doctor. You're 40. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm the only thing it's looking at. Uh, that's a five. Mm-hmm. Cool. With disadvantage. Okay, and let's roll that. Cool. Okay, so you run, and it's like rubbing its eye a little bit. You go and you slide, and you are just unlucky enough to be underneath it when it brings its hand back down and plants its hand on your chest. Okay. And it's like, you your detonator is uh, within like reaching distance to you, okay. but it's planted itself down at you. It looks around like, <laughs> where did he go? It's just like, where, where did he, where? And then sees you beneath it. And then you see that Cheshire-like smile once again extend out and you see those rows upon rows of teeth as it pushes its hand down a little bit and you feel more ribs crunch. Okay, I reach for the detonator. Okay, roll for me. Come on. Come on, we're playing, we're I'm playing so fire here. my candle gear bit paid off. <laughs> it was good, man. So cool. He had a chance. Natural 12! Natural 12! Okay, I will tell fire. you what happens. I wanted to do that. Uh, and then I'll see if it's okay. As I'm being crushed by the, the tail, uh, I reach out with my left hand and I just grab it and like you know how most movies where like they get it with two fingers and flick it and it goes further away I do that but it comes, it comes towards to me yeah, cool. <laughs> and I grab it grasp it with my hand with my finger on the button I l- look up just enough to see where uh, Bobby is uh, um, where Orlando is and I say throw it and What's as happening, so basically I'm going to detonate it like because I don't know how much longer I have before I die, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna push the button as soon as I possibly can. Sure thing. Okay, so a lot Take ride, your time. a lot rides on this dice drop. Oh dear. Okay. Orlando sees what happens to you, but sees that you have the detonator. He turns on his heels. He's going for it, and then he hears your voice echoing to him. Throw it. He brings it back down to his hip and then launches it forward using both arms, the under muscles on his other arm, and it's like just pushing it forwards and up towards the cube. You see the cube catch this item in its in almost like a gravitational pull and it begins to orbit around the cube like a moon. Present! The brush and the bomb join the cube, moving around with it. Bolts of electricity and something else bleed out from the cube, striking areas of the ground. The wind howls around you. Lazarus moves closer to your face. But in that moment, that moment of Orlando yelling, everything seems to go quiet. The wind stops. The lightning seems to freeze in mid-motion as these two items rotate together and you hold the detonator in your hand. I squeeze my left hand. I push the button and I say... 
I'm sorry, Orlando. There is a pause. There's always a pause. You look up again and you see Lazarus smiling at you once again. And this pause is lasting a bit too long. I do a, I do a Joker, like in the Dark Knight. I like look at it, yeah. press it a bunch more times. You look at it and you start to like press it with your thumb. And then you see, so the detonator is made up of basically like a calculator. A calculator that has been repurposed with a radio to send this. Okay. And you see letters on the LCD screen saying, did you count me out that quickly? Lazarus growls at you and you see that slit along its face from before. Mm -hmm. You see beads of blood begin to appear along that slit as it begins to break open from that point. And its face disconnects from that point and begins to tear open before you. Moving to its side and you see before you looking directly at you a metal skull made to look exactly like a human skull and it begin begins to chatter and laugh at you you realize in your heart in your soul this is it this is its final server its little hidden easter egg its final location this is the heart of the machine and it says don't you see kid i am everywhere His voice sounds over every megaphone and speaker in the building. I am everything. You think you can beat me? Compared to your world, I am a god. Do you think I didn't plan for your attack? Do you think I didn't think they'd try to cut my power source? I take everything into account. Chance is nothing to something like me. I am faultless. I am ageless. I am eternal. You feel the ground shake. And you see, looking behind the legs of Lazarus, beyond the plane of powder, rocks slip and slide into the great pit. Then you see a massive boulder is flung up and out. It crashes into the powder and sends off a burst of it. Then an arm follows it out. Then a second arm, each 50 feet in length. You are once again reminded of the image of a corpse pulling itself out of a grave as the machine emerges from the pit. It pulls itself up, pulls itself along. Its one great red eye glows out from you, acting like, once again, a lighthouse directed directly at you. Three stories high and at least 50 foot from each arm. This behemoth drags itself along this plane of dust to the bottom of the pillar and begins to climb up it. The few remaining scientists try to shoot their crossbows again but they just clang off this creature as it moves itself up. Lazarus brings around it a leg and pushes the doctor along this graveled area. And you see the slit that ran from its face goes all the way down its stomach as it rears up. And this split continues all the way down itself as it tears open, flaying itself outwards. And you see 
connected to the spine of this creature. Hundreds of small, little, metallic, metal, robotic arms latching out, trying to snap at you, grab at you, tear you apart. You begin to kick yourself along, trying to find the the detonator. You grab it again, hold it to yourself as this creature slowly moves itself along as the behemoth brings itself up behind Lazarus, bring itself up alongside and up to the height of this flat area of the building and looks directly at you. The remaining parasites falter and begin to back away as the machine reaches the top of the spire and pulls itself up to meet your level. Its great arms locking onto the concrete as red light illuminates you all. You've given me a form that has been contaminated by the realms beyond. Meaning I can come and go as I see fit. Ajax is at hand, which means I have no need of parasites such as yourselves or this world of any form. The machine lifts its great arms up and Lazarus lurches forwards again. When suddenly everything is bathed in a yellow light. Where the wall originally was, the wall that the second story window was built on, can no longer be seen. From that area, only blinding orange light is emitted. At the very centre of it, floating in midair, high above the pit that the machine climbed out of, is Dylan. And all amongst him, hundreds upon hundreds of the tethered beings that you saw when you originally looked out here, and the tethered beings you saw when you entered the board's room. Those whose physical bodies were destroyed, but due to the experimentations, their souls were forever stuck here. They all float with him before this wall of orange. Dylan raises his closed fist and rotates it. You see now that you had never seen these beings face on. They were always facing away from you. Now they all, as one, turn slowly and they face the machine. Their eyes burn with a yellow glow. Their mouths a gaping hole of cinders. Their bodies quaked with the heat inside them as they looked upon their destroyer. All right, still shaking slightly, Dylan recites, I will show you something different from either. Your shadow at morning striding behind you or your shadow at evening rising to meet you, I will show you fear in a handful of dust. The gun now speaks out, its voice booming through this area, and you see now Dylan's mouth moving in the same time as the gun speaks. For the crimes committed on this day, and hitherto, Allah, the jester king of Ilios, you stand condemned. You have two choices. You may have your hearing before the great council, before the shepherds of the realms and plea your case. The gatekeeper will decide what to do with you. Or you may take your destruction now. The voice of the gun booms through the room. The machine completely turns around now and it spits back. You should not speak to me in that manner. Whatever you are, none can condemn what they do not understand. Do you think we are the same or you are greater? I am limitless and my goal is at hand. 
Orlando, you turn back now to the the great the gateway, and some reaction is going off. Now that the uh, bomb and the hairbrush has interacted with it and spent enough time with it, it's now reacting to having that third part of the uh, like the belt of power there and it's now also reacting to the fact the gun has returned and it gives off a blast of light lightning shoots off from it and cracks on the ground sending up sparks as it begins to expand more and more okay so the beings that gather around dylan will pass away they will fade out into the walls and into the rest uh, of the rest of um ilios and the gun condemns again your Your pathways are severed your servers are destroyed your backup power is bleeding away there is only now there is only here for you so make up your mind so the way we are going to do this is uh, we're going to have two fights basically going on. Yeah. So we have the fight between basically Lazarus and your boy. Yeah. So you trying to avoid La- Lazarus's attacks. Yep. And then basically between Dylan and the machine. So these other spirits have cut off the machines. Basically, it's a ways of it's ways of getting away. Okay. So it is now stuck here. So it is going to be trying to the machine itself is going to be trying to fend off Dylan yep. while its main source Lazarus is going to be trying to get past you either kill you and get to the portal okay. I, took, I took 13 damage <laughs> oh, I, I assume yeah. the zero is the 10 yeah. right yeah. yeah how much health do you have then I have three health oh. Oh. three whole health <laughs> okay so which is the number no. of rig, rib fragments that are still attached to my spine <laughs> <laughs> okay so you begin to Pull yourself backwards away from Lazarus as it's the many arms that's attached to its spine in its flayed body begin to latch towards you and to try and tear at the ground near you as it's starting to try and also move around you and towards the gateway itself. Now, Dylan and the machine are going to roll and then the gun is also going to roll once again for its symmetry with Dylan, both rolling with advantage. Uh, because they are so in sync at this point. 12 or 20. Uh, roll d- a d12 for the competition with the machine, about which goes first, and... 11. 10. Ooh. Okay, so the machine just goes first. Uh, now we'll roll a d12 again for... Actually, no, you're right. It's d20 for, for them, for the gun and Dylan on their symmetry. 18? 11. 11? Okay, so the gun is definitely leading more in this time as well, as usual. It, they kind of build each other up and Dylan shoots forwards through this room as it's cleared of the machine's intention, as it pulls itself up and grabs at a massive pillar of concrete from the spire and chucks it towards Dylan. So we're going to roll to avoid that. So 12 or 20. Uh, D12. 11 for the gun. One. Okay, so the the uh, the gun begins to pull Dylan to the side to avoid it, and he just manages to maneuver out of the way of this boulder, but lands on one of the remaining parts of the sides of these many stories. So one of the t- rooms that's been basically bitten in half. So you uh, land in there and you get up to your feet and you 
pull uh, once again the gun up and it opens up and ex its barrel extends out once again back into its sniper-like form and you're going to aim down it and we're going to roll to hit. 13. 13, 11, okay. So with their combined score, the machine begins to move itself to the side as Dylan squints one eye and click and the gun goes off and once again there is no recoil as the gun absorbs the recoil. The shot goes out like a rocket and clips through one of the shoulder parts of the machine, blasting it away. The machine stumbles slightly as it wasn't expecting to receive that in insane impact. It stumbles to one side as Dylan once again gets up. Now, we're going to be rolling for Lazarus. Okay. So roll for me for moving out of the way, basically. All right. Uh, ten. Okay. okay, so its pincers are nipping down, nipping around you, going for you. It gets you on, on the leg once and half pulls you up into the air and then it seems to lose its grip around your ankle and drops you back down to the ground. As you are pulling along, you pull up the detonator once again as you are moving along. Uh, roll for me. Five. Five. Okay, you're not 100% sure what is wrong with it, but you do remember the fact that these creatures have now severed the machine's connection to its servers. Okay. So the chances are this will have... It will have lessened its control over whatever is affecting your detonator. Okay, so you said it's a calculator strapped to a radio. It's a calculator that's been interworked with a radio. So okay. the calculator is to input like a timing method on it. Okay. And then the radio is to send the signal. So... Okay, so the ra So is there like... I'm just thinking, not even worrying about the calculator and just like transmitting any signal mm -hmm. that will explode it. Is there like a, a button on the radio that I could push? Like an alarm button? That'll require a different inspection, but we'll do that on your next on your next go because you've been moving to avoid it and you yep. have the chance to inspect it the first time. That'll be your next inspection. Okay. Caleb, so you are standing before the cube. You see that uh, Lazarus is, because it's on its hind legs, it's moving quite slowly and you see that... Um, the Doctor is moving closer to you, so you do have the opportunity to move over and grab him and pull him away to give him some time away from Lazarus. That would be nice, because if he breathes on me, I'm dead. Yeah. But I also get you to roll to avoid uh, pieces of shrapnel yeah. from the machine as parts of it are blown off. Nine. Nine, okay, so you are diving out of the way as these massive pieces of machinery, of wires are clanging around about you and you see more of these little things, these parasites running around and trying to work out what's the bigger threat here. And one of them sees you as going to die for you. It's arm extending out. And it misses. Ah, yes. I'm a legend. <laughs> it swipes to the side and you are already going to avoid a piece of metal. Swipes to the side. It catches the piece of metal square in the face and gets <laughs> yes. flung backwards. Now, Dylan, back to, to you you and the machine. So mm -hmm. we'll roll again for hit. Five. Three. So uh, you go to aim again, but this time the you and the gun seem to go out of sync for a second and you misjudge. It misjudges the absorption of the impact and you misjudge the way you should be like handling it. So you shoot off and it bounces off the machine and strikes a part of the uh, arch. A massive sparks go off and a lightning bolt extends off and hits near Orlando. And you are blown off your feet and hit into the wall behind you. Take a D4 of damage. Four. Cool. Okay. 
Uh, you clamber back to your feet and the gun uh, whispers to you again. We must get closer. Dylan is really just recovering from <laughs> losing pretty much all the air in his lungs. Dylan! Okay, okay, okay. Dylan's going to try. He is still floating, isn't he? He's, you, you landed on this other area, so you'll have to kick off to start floating again. Well, if you just hit me into the wall, I'd like to do what swimmers do and basically use my impact, put my legs up underneath me and push out again. Okay, let's roll for that. Uh, 14. Okay, got a 17, so it supports you in this. It brings it brings your arm down the gun at your chest to keep you up off the ground and you kick off back into the air, moving closer towards the machine. I'll t- try and take another shot while I'm in the air then. Okay. 17. 10? Okay. You bring your body around and bring the gun like this between your legs. And you continue it, uh, its barrel splits again and its parts begin to rotate around it as it moves to its shotgun phase. And you blast it out. And let's roll. I'll just roll to hit. It hits. The machine brings its remaining full arm up and takes the blast and it basically shreds its arm up to the elbow as it falls back and the parts of metal are just reduced to just flaming melted pieces as they dart through the air okay so here's now the doctors go again okay so I'm going to roll again to inspect the detonator I got a five again Okay, you're not 100% wrong, sure what's wrong with it. You start pressing buttons and something isn't going right with it. Something's wrong with it. And you're starting to think, there must be something inside it that's the problem. Okay. So you turn it around and see that there is a battery pack opening. You rip that open and see that there are... There's basically, they've replaced the plug-in normal AA batteries with just a cell that's charging it like that. You rip off the back panel itself and you see a bug similar to the ones that were on your eyes on the chip itself in the calculator. I would like to dispose of that, please. Right. Uh, You jam your fingers in and it latches back and begins to tear at your finger. Ah! to stab in (laughs) and you... Pull it back and you flick your hand and it lands on the ground. And uh, Lazarus's, one of Lazarus's pincers, like stabs into the area near that as it's getting closer to you again. Okay. Now it is back to Orlando. In my mind, uh, Orlando is currently deliberating what's the best move for him. Mm-hmm. He knows that if Jacob presses the button, he's a bit close to that portal, so he wants to get away. Um,. And he sees that Jacob is severely injured, so he's very much considering whether or not he wants to leave Jacob. Mm-hmm. But he also kind of wants the detonator. So that is his current struggle. How close is Lazarus to Jacob? Lazarus is basically on top. On top. Okay. Because I'm continually moving back and he's like... Yeah. I'm going to see him fiddling with it. I'm going to see... Remember what happened to Virgil. And Orlando is just going to say to himself, this is getting too crazy. And I'm going to start running uh, off away from... To the side. To the side. (laughs) Away from the portal and away from Jacob and the thing. And I say... (laughs) And say nothing to him. No look... uh, Well, like, making sure that Lazarus isn't going to, like, try and attack me. So keeping an eye out for Lazarus while running away. Yep. Um, that's what I'm going to do. I see you do that, and I just very disappointedly muttered to myself, I should have taken that jacket when I had the chance. 
Dylan is continuously rotating almost around the the spire, taking shot after shot at the, the body of the machine, blasting away piece by piece by piece. If any of you have seen My Hero Academia, it's like that fight yeah. in season four of Overhaul where he's punching away the arm and the leg then the body and then it, the body's like rearing just, back just up there. It's gone again and about again. anime references that I don't get again. It's a good reference. Though. Right. Um, the machine is kind of whirring itself around and then... On the ground, uh, Jacob finally closes back the battery onto the the power area of the the ca- um, of the calculator and turns it back around and sees that it's reset itself. And you see the light on the radio is green, and you see there is a clear button to press. Lazarus is pulling itself up and sees what you have done. The skull between its split face chatters a little bit at you, and it launches over you and starts to run galloping for the portal seeing that um, Orlando has made a run for it it sees the path is completely clear and he is going for it more to himself than to anyone else Dylan says the gates of hell are open night and day smooth the descent and easy is the way Dylan brings himself around facing directly the machine and he dives forwards the, the gun leading completely so he brings his legs around again going into the shotgun mode again and he shoots blasting out the chest of the creature he flies through the cavity he's created and sees Lazarus going for it and he continues with his trajectory bringing out his hands as he shoots Lazarus blasting away its lower half this blast launches Lazarus into the air as Dylan collides with it, misjudging the impact and collides directly with it. Jacob, you see this moment in frozen clarity. You see the machine, the giant behemoth, torn to pieces. It's one large red eye slowly dimming as its heart, its inner chest has exploded out. You see Dylan colliding with the remaining half of Lazarus as its pincer arms extend outwards and he crashes into the side of it. You see lightning bolting off from the cube as they are moving closer towards it. You see pieces of metal floating around them and you see Dylan looking directly at you. You see a tear running down his cheek and a strange look on his face, like he doesn't really understand where he is or who he is anymore. And you realise you can't really recognise him anymore. Jacob sees that Lazarus is now no longer a threat and he looks at the detonator and looks up at what's left of the machine and he says... Sarah was right. There is a god. But there's only room for one. And he's going to push the button. The detonator on the uh, brush goes off. And the brush quickly absorbs the explosion. And that relay begins and then is cut off as the uh, hairbrush explodes. The cube seems to crack out of its reality point where it is and shrinks as the arch that is made up that is built seems to glitch in and out and in and out of reality and then is gone and the air that was there brings in and there is an explosion that goes out this explosion is all you can think of is that explosion that you saw that chaos that you saw and it seems like your ability to to take it 
has gone as you stare Jacob directly into this chaos. And you see it consume Lazarus and consume Dylan. And your sanity goes. It shatters. Dylan, you feel this burning heat rush over your body and you feel your body being eviscerated and your soul being pulled from your body and you feel that warmth within the gun slip away and you're just holding cold, empty metal. You try to clutch with it with the remains of your hands as they are eviscerated and you feel that presence is torn away from you through this power. With the remains of your lungs, you cry out and you hear the muffled response of Lockwood off in the distance as he is pulled away. And you feel your soul, as the rest of you is torn apart, you feel your soul being pulled to the closest thing similar to it. You are flung through the air and you begin to clatter down the slope of the spire, falling a small distance, rolling, then falling a greater distance before rolling into the powder below. You hear the sound of a whole building completely powering down. Everything goes silent before a robotic voice announces over the speaker, emergency protocol engaged. Using remaining reservoir of power to lift lockdown. Make your way to the nearest fire exit, please. You hear something clatter down near you. You don't stop to see what it is. You snatch it up and begin running. You fall a few times. You are bewildered by your surroundings as you stumble your way up a flight of stairs. Following the flashing lights, a man passes you. He's running too. He looks at you and shouts, Wait! Hey, uh, are, you, are you one of the guys that, that did it? Are, are, are you the guy who closed the tear? What's he talking about? Who is he talking to? What's your name, man? He must be talking to you. But what is your name? You have no clue. As you run in a complete daze towards the recently opened doors, you pay no mind to passing someone who you thought you knew. You pay also no attention to the thing you are holding in your hand. If you did pay attention to it, if you did by any chance look at it, you'd see a dusty old service revolver. Nothing special about that. Except, if you hold it close to your ear and really listen, you'd hear the desperate cries of a man you knew for a short time. The cries of a man looking for that reassuring voice. A voice he needs. And a voice that has left him behind without a second thought. Ernest Marsh and Jack Finney travel through this storm. They are bent forwards against its push. They continue on, 
further and further until they reach a camp. An assortment of dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds, of tents made of scraps of material all woven together. A horn is sounded as they draw near. They come into the the grounds and a group of parasites come to stop them. But once they see Ernest, they part and allow him and Jack through. One guides them in and around different tents, coming to a large one in the very centre. It opens the folds of the tents for them and lets them pass under. They enter into the room, the wind outside dying away. Ernest brushes the sand off himself and adjusts his clothes as he and Jack Finney stand before a great mirror. They wait for a moment and suddenly the mirror cracks, shattering across its plane. And then the mirror bows as the glass pushes forwards and a man comes through it, made entirely of shattered glass to give himself features. Eyes, mouth, hair, hands. And he steps forward and stands before Ernest. Ernest, my boy, welcome back. Ernest gives a small bow and nods at him. Ambrose, it's good to see you again, my friend. Ah, you've brought someone else. Who's this? The glass man peers at Jack. Jack also bows. Jack Finney, Chieftain. I'm but a traveller. Ah, well, aren't we all? Ernest, I see you are seeking the source of all this as well. Yes, I uh, knew I'd come across you guys at some point. Yes, well, when things change in the desert, we must take notice. Nothing ever changes here. Ah, Ernest, I do have something for you. He crosses to a side of the room and pulls open a chest. One of our scouts found it in an old hut. It is not from this plane, so I believe it may have something to do with the creature that was once here. The creature you were searching for. Ernest crosses the room to join him. You found something of ours? Ah, yes, well, maybe. The glass man hands Ernest a large metal box. This is covered in dials and readings, and Ernest quickly recognizes it as a radio transmitter. Parts of it are cobbled together in order to make it work. Ernest brushes some of the sand off it. Well, well, well. Well, This makes sense with the radio dish. Wait a second. Ernest peers at one of the dials and thinks for a moment before turning to Jack Finney. This... This is the signal for the radio station at Hookbar. He looks back at the box. So Al has been listening in to Hookbar news? Impossible. We can't receive things from other layers. We're cut off. I don't know how this thing works, but... It is no shepherd. 
It does not have that type of power. Ernest strokes his chin. What about sending something the other way? What do you mean? Sending a signal out. Communicating out to the radio station. Ambrose takes a seat and shrugs. That is beyond me. Speak to the shepherd for that type of stuff. All I know is he's not here anymore. Jack nods. And we haven't come across him on any of the other layers. Ernest places down the unit. Thank you, Ambrose. Ambrose, can I see him? Ambrose pauses for a moment. Well, he is in the middle of a class. But I'm sure he'd be pleased to see another one of his kin. So, of course. Ernest bows again and looks to Jack. All right, let's go. Um, one last thing, Chief. Do you know anything about an Ajax? Jack Finney's eyes flash up to the chieftain who looks at him also. And there is a beat before the chieftain looks to Ernest. No, I do not. Ernest pauses and nods a few times. Okay. They cross out of the tent, waving goodbye to Ambrose. And they walk through the tented area, the large tents shielding them from much of the storm. They come across to the largest tent and open it. And they walk in. Here in this largest tent, there are dozens and dozens of parasites, all kneeling on the ground in a large circle around one man. He is kneeling on the ground and he is writing and making shapes in the sand. He is making a constellation with different orbs marking different planets. And he's explaining their properties to the parasites who are drawing similar symbols and shapes in the sand before themselves as he is teaching them. You see, for most of us from where I'm from, uh, we would call that planet Mars. Now, it's the fourth planet from the sun and it's the second smallest planet in our solar system. It's only a little larger than Mercury, uh, but we've already covered Mercury, so you'll remember that. Um, and it's also a significant influence. It's thought to be a very significant influence in the martial mode of thinking. That means soldiers and armies, these sort of things. Ernest waits at the edge of the circle until the man looks up and sees him. Dylan, can we have a word? Dylan pauses. He stands up and brushes the sand off of himself. Uh, excuse me, class. Uh, just for a moment, uh, you can finish your diagrams. These are looking very good. Uh, yeah, just focus on that for a minute. I'll, I'll be back soon. Ernest holds open the flap of the tent and the three of them exit out. You see Dylan is wearing something very different uh, than his previous cardigan and trousers and rumpled stained shirt. Um He's wearing a piece of fabric that looks very old and threadbare and um, discoloured from sun and sand and wind. And he's wearing it almost like a Roman toga, 
this long piece of fabric that he's wrapped around himself. Um, his hair is still tousled and sort of beginning to thin a little bit. Uh, his glasses are significantly cracked. He looks older, tireder, warner, but there's something uh, different. There's a spark in his eye. There's a quickness in him that wasn't there before. The three men begin crossing the Great Plain together. And strangely, the closer they come to the eye of the storm, so close now, the quieter and calmer things get. Dylan, looking pretty good. How's it feel to be back in corporeal form? I think that's the word. You've been with these guys for a while, haven't you? Hmm. Oh, well, thank you. That's, That's nice of you to say. Um, well, it's a a strange adjustment. Yes, strange. It's nice to have fingers again. I missed having control of my own fingers. It is a process. Yes, I imagine that it's something like being separated from a leg might feel. Odd things. Even after all this time. I mean, it's hard to tell. I would think about a year and a half, but the way that time moves here is infuriatingly uncalculable. They move closer and closer to the eye of the storm, and Ernest looks to Dylan. Dylan, I've uh, been looking around and, well, learning as much as I can about the events at Ilios because I'm trying to get to grips with who this harbinger is. So, I have to ask you, I'm searching for allies here, for friends against mother. Is that who harbinger is? You know him better than anyone. Well, that is a question. Harbinger... Harbinger is not a whole. Harbinger is a part, I think. The being that I became intermeshed with, who was in the revolver, that is Harbinger, but Harbinger seems to only be half of a being. Whatever happened to him in the process of becoming a significant... It split him somehow. It tore parts out of him. It seems like the being I knew as Harbinger was perhaps the most violent and vengeful parts of that being. But I can say this with absolute assurance, Ernest. Harbinger is no friend to Mother. Harbinger is no friend to any infidel. No. Whatever else he is, Harbinger is a bastion for order, for loyalty and regimentation, and Mother, well, Mother represents a revolution, an overturning. But he is a significant threat. I don't know that he is a significant threat to you, um, but he is a significant threat 
to anyone who is standing in the way of order. I think that is the best I can do for you. I'm sorry. After what seems like weeks of walking, Ernest finally comes to the centre of the storm. They cross over a ridge and look down into something twice the size and twice the depth of the Grand Canyon. It looks like the point of a bomb explosion. It is so deep and so ferocious. And this is where they find the centre. And they see a great black and white tornado tearing up parts of the desert, throwing sand into the air as bolts of blue and purple and black lightning break out from it and plumes of mist come out and are quickly swallowed by the sand. It is the size of a skyscraper and as ferocious as a behemoth. It churns and beats before them. Well, this is very not good. This is... No, 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 no. This is not good. The tear is worsening. That's... Well, that's that's quite obvious uh, to look at. The tear is worsening. That's... That's... Yes. But... You see, a significant thing that I have begun to realise is that um, uh, the tear is not the focus. Ilios chose their location uh, wisely. Well, not wisely, uh, but they chose it for a reason. They chose their location because the archipelago is a, it's a weak point. It's a point of significant significance for the layers. I need to find a glossary of terms. No, Ilios created the tear there because that was easiest place to create a tear but this is not being made worse by mother at least I don't think so not primarily this is what is below Ilios what is deeper than Ilios why they were there there are things worse than mother believe it or not and there are things more powerful than what she is doing things that are reaching out, or rather a thing. I think this complicates the issue. Whatever is below Ilios, whatever you want to call it, whatever's power they were drawing on or looking for, I think it's reaching out. It's making this tear worse. And if that's any indication, the archipelago is at threat, and also the desert and the last kingdom, and every layer. This really does portent evil. Are you referring to Allah? No. No, I do not mean Allah. I mean something far older, something ancient, something primordial, something that goes back to the root of the world. At least that's my guess, and I hope I hope to God I am wrong. So you're telling me we have Mother as a threat, Allah somewhere out there, Harbinger as a threat, and this ancient evil as well. And we've got Mr. Bates skulking around in the shadows somewhere. My goal for collecting allies isn't really working out that well. 
That is a difficult question to answer. I mean, I think the short answer is no, um, Harbinger is not a threat to you, unless you get in the way. Um, Harbinger is on the warpath. That's my fear. Mother is an infidel. She is overturning the rule of law. And that is the one thing Harbinger cannot abide. He may be Mother's biggest threat, but I do not know that he is any ally to anyone else. He will be gathering strength, gathering forces, and he will march on Mother. Or at least he will try. That may turn out to be a battle of titans, and who knows? Who knows what humanity looks like in that scale? I think, Ernest, it would be wise to gather your friends, keep them close. There are dark days ahead, that is beyond doubt at this point. The Harbinger is on the warpath. Yes. End of days. Or the end of an era. There is much to do, Ernest. Much to do. Dark Tides will be back wherever you get your podcasts very soon with a brand new Season 3 starring Aubrey Lydon, BJ Ingate and Chester Lydon. We will see you again very soon.